Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number six. I'm Dave. And I'm Ashley. This is the podcast all about movie blind spots. We are a couple getting to know each other better by sharing the essential movies and guilty pleasures from our past. Each week, one of us picks a movie the other one hasn't seen, and, well, the homework is, we watch it together, and then we meet here with you guys to talk it through. All right, and this week is Dave's pick, and he chose Local Hero from 1983, um, and I looked up who the director was, but I don't remember. Bill Forsyth. Bill Forsyth. He's a Scot. He's Scottish. Yes. It's a Scottish film. And he did Being Human, which I also have not seen, so... <laughs> but, okay, I... It it may be that he didn't make very many films after yeah. that, but that's I I don't remember the film very well myself. Okay. I know Robin Williams was at that in that, and it was about. We're really going off tangent. Here. Well, it doesn't matter. I just remember <laughs> the floaty picture from Being Human. Anyway, uh, so this is a a fun little film. Um, it's actually it starts in Houston, and there's an oil executive um, in the early '80s, which is I guess the peak of Houston oilness. And they decide they want to build a refinery and a pipeline in the North Sea uh, in Scotland. Uh, so in a wee little village called Furness. Furness, yes. Uh, so uh, uh, a gentleman who is actually not Scottish gets sent, because his, his last name is McIntyre, gets sent over to Scotland. And it's all about his little adventures that he has in this little Scottish town um, where he's trying to buy the property in order to build this oil refinery. Um, so Dave, why did you choose this? That's a really good question because this was not my original pick for this mm-hmm. episode. It, you know, in some ways I want us to be responsive to our moods mm-hmm. as a couple, as people in the world and that kind of thing. And the movies I was leaning towards doing this time, I realized were like really heavy, um, kind of downer movies that might be aesthetically really interesting and I can't wait to talk about them with you and I'll leave you guessing what they are right now yeah. but um, I couldn't go there and to, in all in all seriousness for a moment I mean there's a lot going on right now we record these a little bit in advance and so this is just a couple weeks after the Florida incidents mm. um, and I couldn't go to a darker, more serious movie. So sorry for like all the context and the setup, but what I really needed and what I thought we needed together to, to watch was that kind of comfort food movie yeah. that you gave me when you chose Benny and June. And all of a sudden this film popped into my mind and I first encountered it probably in 1983. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but it was in the early days of home video. And I know my mom liked this movie and showed it to me. So this is also like um, a movie that I watched with my mom, kind mm-hmm. of like Benny and June was. And like we watched it a lot. And I think yeah. we probably had the tape recorded off Cinemax or Showtime or something for a while. Um, and it's a movie to me that I like because it's like going on a little vacation. Like you get to be Mac going into that little seaside Scottish village and you just spend time with these eccentric, quirky characters um, and everything feels okay for a while. And then, of course, every time I see it, I want to go and move to Scotland or (laughs) work in a little hotel (laughs) or a pub or something like that. But I just remembered it really fondly. And I'm sorry if this is a really obscure choice listeners <laughs> or for you but um I, I just i don't know i like that one of the things we're doing on the show is kind of finding those sort of sleeper forgotten well i don't know that 
So I don't know that many of our choices so far have really, really been forgotten. I think this one might be kind of forgotten. Never heard of it. But, and yet, <laughs> it won the BAFTA Award, which is ah. a British uh, sort of equivalent of Academy Awards for Best Director back then. And it won the New York Film Critics Circle Award for Screenplay. It was on lots of top lists. It was in um, Premiere Magazine's Top 100 Movies of the 80s. It was really like highly regarded for a while as this um, perfect, small, fairy tale like movie you know comedy drama set in scotland shot on location by the scottish director bill forsyth um and i just it's something i haven't seen in a long time maybe 15 years but i go back to and it has that familiarity to it and all of that well you know i want to say i had no like i but until you put it on the tv screen i hadn't you hadn't told me what you were picking one and two i'd never heard of it before so, like, the screen comes on, and it's, like, rush hour in Houston with the, you know, guys driving his Porsche, and he looks like your typical 80s. I mean, he looks like the, he looks like Peter Gallagher's character right. in Sex Life. It's a different video Peter. Game. This yeah. is played by another, uh, you know, Peter Riegert, yeah. um, who we don't remember much now, probably yeah. not so much. So I grew up watching, like, the formulaic 80s movies, you know, um that um, I thought what I was going in for was some sort of, and it was a little bit, it was just a little bit softer than I thought, but I thought we were going to meet this hard-edged guy who his whole job is to um, take over this town and be really aggressive and, like, the the, the town would fight back against him and... He's a little bit that way, but he's kind of all bluster. Like, he wants to be that guy, Mm -hmm. but he's not cool enough or really hard enough to be that guy. No. He's not. Yeah. um, But anyway, he gets sent because his last name is McIntyre, although... He make, they make it pretty clear he's talking to his work friend that he's his family is Hungarian. They changed their name when they came to um, the United States, so he's actually from Hungarian descent, not Scottish. But they, you know, typical Americans they don't understand that sort of thing. Even even their own history they don't understand that that much. So he gets sent to this little town, and like I thought first off that like the the villagers would be like, no, we don't want you to disturb our lifestyle. I thought it was going to be like... Um, it wasn't that movie. No, it We've wasn't. Seen that movie. <laughs> I've seen that movie. And you thought you were the... seeing it again. Yeah. And then he gets there and the people are pretty much like, oh yeah, we need some money. <laughs> you know, give us... And they're all excited about like all the opportunity that they're going to have and there's going to be work and things to do and um, this... They're thrilled to bits. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty excited, you know, and, and they have... Um, the in, the innkeeper who's also the town accountant. Yeah, you um, have this this great little gag where he has like <laughs> like multiple jobs. They yeah. check in. He's the hotel guy. He's the, then he's serving them breakfast the in restaurant. the hotel. <laughs> yeah. And they ask where the local accountant is so they can talk money and business about the deal. And he's like, "Oh, I'll be in in fifteen minutes. Uh, I'm, I know for a fact he'll be there." Yeah. And at which point you're like, "Oh, he's the guy. He's the guy." So you yeah. got that joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and they also set up that he has a pretty uh, passionate relationship with his wife. He's always sneaking off to dance with her canoodle with her in different places um that's just part of the little weird things in this town like which i guess it's not that weird but there's the <clears throat> motorcycle guy who's like always riding through town and nearly i wrote a bunch of those down nearly because <laughs> because those are things that i love about this movie yeah. is like 
he's probably there for maybe less than a week, you know, a few days or something. Yeah, it's unclear. There's a lot of waiting time while they're trying to organize a consensus about. Yeah, the accountant wants everybody to slow down and see if they can get the price increase. But we, I love how we get enough of the repetition of these weird little quirks and routines and strange oddities. So there's the random motorcycle guy who drives by like super fast all the time (laughs) and almost runs them over all the time. Just random motors. Everybody else knows that random motorcycle guy is out today. (laughs) There's the, um, the baby in the stroller, the the mysterious baby in the stroller. That's always like next to the fisherman down by the, down by the beach. And nobody seems to remember whose baby it is. Yeah. Um, the punk girl. Yeah. There's a random dog kind of in the street sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, I love that stuff. <laughs> well, I think one of the funniest bits is when... Um, uh, oh, there's there's actually a, a lot of things. Actually, I want to go back and, and talk about... So he arrives in Scotland and he's picked up by Peter Capaldi. Um, okay. Gush for me about Peter Capaldi for a second. He's so gangly in this. I just... Okay. Um, and, you need a full yeah, disclosure yeah. that I'm a super Doctor Who nerd, <laughs> and um, and I had seen this way back then. So when Peter Capaldi was um, announced as being yeah. the next Doctor uh, several years ago, I was like, "Oh my God, that's that gangly guy from <laughs> <laughs> from local hero!" I couldn't believe it. Well, and he has this whole walk about him, and just sort of a weird. Um, when he runs across the beach, yeah. he looks kind of Muppet like. Yeah, like his yeah. arms kind of dangle wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But he has all of his Peter Capaldi wonderfulness. Well, I love... So he picks him up at the airport. He's his driver, I guess. And he's also Scottish, but not from this small town. I guess from another small town. Because the other... The other... The town the town people kind of like see him as an outsider. He's a, that other Scotsman, you know. Yeah. They kind of block him with the American dude, you know. Well, he's, yeah, he's the local representative. Even though representative. he's Scottish, he's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's not small town Scott. He's from Aberdeen. Oh, or he's the from office, Aberdeen. Or okay. whatever the, the main office yeah. is for Knox Oil. Um, so, yeah, that's... Well, I, I think it's funny, too, is they have that whole scene where he's driving him to this little town, and he they he feels something in the car while he's driving, and he stops, and they've hit a rabbit, so they get the rabbit and put it in the car, and then I guess they decide it's too foggy, so they decide to sleep on the road um, with the lights off. <laughs> but I guess nobody came mm-hmm. down the road at all, so. <laughs> I like the inexplicable atmosphere yeah. things like that, how all of a sudden there's just a shroud of mist, and yeah. then they wake up the next morning, it's completely gone, everything yeah. is clear. and Well, this and I, we talked about this a little bit when we were watching it, but it reminded me of um, American Werewolf in London when they're, walking across the moors with the mist and <laughs> well, i was like there's gonna the be car. a werewolf that's <laughs> gonna come get them or something <laughs> it's it's good and it was made around the same time yeah. i think right so yeah i think so 81 something yeah. like that um it's a very good movie as well which i actually showed dave at one point so yeah someday audience will have to uh, catch you up on the the things that we covered before we even got to this yeah. show because <laughs> i feel like there are a bunch of lost episodes that uh we might have to get into i feel like before we move on too much with the plot that i should mention the weird boss which oh, we didn't you. talk about mr uh, happer of Bert, Bert lancaster Bert lancaster yeah um uh, the Bert lancaster is the biggest plays, name in this movie he's the first evidence that this might be a this movie might be a little weird is that he calls him up to his office and 
Instead of, you know, giving him instructions on how he should make the deal or anything like that. What is Mr. Lancaster's obsession? Yeah, he loves astronomy and he's he was obsessed with the uh, Virgo, I think. He was obsessed with he's the constellation of Virgo. He wants, he's, he's looking for a comet. Um, so he tells him to let him know if he sees anything weird in the sky uh, while he's up there. Um, so that's... He's not like, yeah. you need to make this deal. He's like... <laughs> Watch the skies, <laughs> Mac. Mac <Yeah>. Dyer. <laughs> so he has that. He gives assignment. him his personal phone <laughs> yeah. number. Yeah. I mean, his real mission is to watch the skies for the head of the oil company, yeah. <laughs> who has a planetarium in his office. Click yeah. of a button, the, all that. Well, and I so I missed this part, <clears throat> but the um, the company is the Knox Company. Yes. So and there's some sort of connection with Knox that comes up with the guy who lives on the beach later, yes. the quirky guy who lives on the beach later. Yes. The Knox Oil Company was started originally by a Knox mm. from Scotland, maybe? From Scotland is sure. what they said that. Yeah, but um, Happer, Burt Lancaster's family, bought the company in the aughts or in the around uh, the turn okay. of the, or the, the teens or something like that. So it's been in his family that time. But the, it was originally the Knox company okay, it still so. has the name he's like it's a shame my father my grand great-grandfather didn't change the name yeah. but um yeah so anyway okay interesting i just i didn't pick that up from the thing so you know he's he's in scotland and then he starts to meet these you know weird characters silly fishermen telling silly stories on the beach and um there's the um the the guy who lives on the beach the knox guy Ben, who, old Ben. Ben, who lives in this amazing structure made of like old boat holes and stuff like that. It's it's beautiful. He's one of those old beachcomber kind of guys who hermit sort of things who lives on the lives on the beach by the by the sea. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess our Mac is wandering around this little town, waiting to hear what whether they're going to accept his deal, waiting waiting to talk, and then he gets to he starts getting to know the place. He walks around and, you know, plays in the tide pools. And um, I, I like one scene where he's playing in the tide pools and then they start walking up to the church and they're going to talk to the preacher about, or the mm-hmm. the priest about um, whether the church is willing to sell. And at that same time, the whole town is in the church talking about whether they're going to They're take talking them. money inside yeah. the church. <laughs> the entire village yeah. um, is trying to figure out how to hold out and what price and how will they sell and all that. Yeah. And all the guys are right outside. Well, and then they have um, the priest go out and distract uh, Mac uh, until, until the town can sneak away. And there's a whole scene where Mac isn't looking and the, scene, the town is running out of, out of the scene. And then, you know, Peter... Capaldi's character sees it but doesn't say anything. So one of the things I like about this movie is that it's kind of the opposite of what you were thinking it yeah, was going to be. It was. He goes in and he's not the agent when he gets yeah. there. He's kind of held there, um, and he has to wait while the town is kind of holding out and stalling and and you know trying to trying to make him wait it out so that you know he will offer more money and they'll, yeah. they'll they'll become more desperate and it's not about him pushing and the hard sell and all that it's about him having to stop and slow down 
Yeah. Right? He has that terrible um, watch alarm oh, that's that always makes, going off. It's business time in Houston. So you know you're about midway through yeah. the movie and his... He leaves it in the tide pool. He leaves it by accident <laughs> in the tide pool and the, the water washes up over it and you hear it kind of... Like malfunction, yeah. <laughs> mal- malfunctioning underneath. And that's kind of the point at which he's starting to leave, really well, leave behind and Houston his- and the oil company and what he originally came for. Um and become more interested in the wandering and the walking and the so and the talking and the hanging out with these people, watching the skies, seeing the aurora borealis for the first and time, a meteor shower, a as meteor well. shower, all of all these things which make him hit the hit that little phone box. That's another one <laughs> yeah. of those. It's not just the people in the town. It's like the well, elements yeah, he keeps of the having town. to put coins in because he's calling long distance. Yes, we talked about. Do you remember when long distance calls <clears throat> used to cost? you know millions of dollars and nobody ever called anyone overseas except for you know the third yeah. sunday of the month or something so like that so the village telephone is a red <laughs> phone box by down by the the shore you yeah. know but and uh, it's it's a big deal when the important american has to make a call that like the the call goes around in the bar and everybody has to fumble and oh, oh get in you know they they bring their change, change over yeah. everybody's <laughs> he has to make an important call you know? sorry i apologize for my terrible scottish Scott accent um, so what do you think of Mac and Peter Riegert as the viewpoint character, or as the character who who we go into the situation with. How does this work? How does he work for you? How does his story work? You know, it's it's interesting. I think that he like he develops a relationship in particular with the accountant slash innkeeper. Like, I mean, they they look pretty similar. Hmm. I mean, like... Oh, I see where you're going. Together. And then there's an odd attraction between the innkeeper's wife and, and... You know, they dance together a it's couple times. It's not just times. him. She makes yeah. that. There's, yeah, there's, there's some, some moments of chemistry yeah. and there. And then but, at one point, both of them are drunk, the accountant and, and Mac. And, I love that And they scene. talk about how, like, let's trade places and you go to Houston and I'll stay here with well, your wife. Well, it's all Mac's idea. Yeah. He's the one realizing <laughs> that, well, let's not get dramatic yeah. and say his life is a lie. Yeah. But... He suddenly sees like, oh my gosh, my whole life has been about the Maserati and the you yeah. know the the oil company and the, the heavy paycheck and making the deals and wheeling and dealing. And I just want to slow down and be here with these people in this little village. Yeah, well, I want this life. And he doesn't es- want to leave. They establish he doesn't. I mean, he has a work buddy, but he doesn't have any connections outside of work. And they make it. They show. Yeah, that. they show that we don't have a lot of time with him. In Houston, before he leaves, we basically have he gets the assignment and he and uh, meets with Happer the boss, and then he has a lonely evening in his apartment where he's trying to phone up old girlfriends and his ex wife or whoever. I think it's an ex girlfriend. I think it's yeah. an ex girlfriend. I don't think he's ever connected or committed enough to anyone well, to he, have he, been married. He also <laughs> asks like someone's secretary out. Yeah. Um, his, yeah, it's like yeah. his secretary or something. It was yeah. kind of strange. Yeah, just all of a sudden, and she was like, no. And then he calls up his ex-girlfriend to be nice to her, and then all of a sudden they end up in a fight. Um, but the, they named the rab- the injured rabbit Trudy, so... <laughs> so I think he was missing connection with people in his life, and he found it in this little town. Um, so what happens after this movie ends? I mean, what we're... Does, does this... Does his experience like slowing down and seeing the rhythms of this village and meeting these these kind, genuine people have a lasting effect on him? Or does he just go back to 
I'm the oil guy in Houston again. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think this I is mean, for us a, to fill in the blanks. There's a whole but. scene where he, he comes back into his empty apartment and like stares out the window into, you know, out at the city, you know, where you're hearing the horns honking and the, um, which is not my perception of Houston, by the way. I, it's not that. I think we're just trying to telegraph city life versus city life. Yeah, I mean, like that—that that sort of soundscape seems like it would be more at home in, like, a big city like New York. I don't know that Houston really fits that. I bill, think we're just but, going for contrast and, and but, the, from but the sound he's, engineering point of view. You know, he's glancing out the window, and I think that and he's trying not to look at his phone. He yeah, walk, like kind of walks and looks around yeah. the kitchen and is like avoiding the phone, which gets you to that last the last shot yeah. of the movie is the phone the pay phone ringing the that yeah. little red phone box ringing on on the short which you assume is yeah. him phoning I think yeah I think he's going back I mean like I don't th- I think that he'll quit his job and go oh, work really? at the <laughs> I hope so yeah <laughs> cuz to me it leaves me with um this kind of bittersweet sort yeah. of thing like that he really longs to make that dramatic a change in his life yeah but I don't know that he's ready to do it yeah. just from that experience. And if it could be easy for him to have a few days, a few weeks distance and kind of end up going back into the grind again. Yeah. And so I don't want to be, I'm not a half, a glass half empty kind of pessimistic person, except that I am. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, I mean, the, I, th- I like, the other I like way, your, yeah, sorry. The other ahead. way that you could see it is that, Maybe he wasn't. So I, I truly believe that no matter where you are, you can develop connections and emotions and and that sort of thing. So maybe this will be, you know, change change where he is. You know, I'm sure there are interesting little. Com- I mean, I know there are interesting little communities in Houston that he could reach out to and 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 find you know people to connect to and you know people that live a simpler life. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't have to drive around in a. Porsche and I just get the yeah. feeling that he has learned a lot about himself and that um I get I definitely get the picture like he's never really walked around and looked in a tide pool yeah. before. He when was the last time he rolled up his pants and walked, you know, into the water? Um when was the last time he looked up at the sky and actually saw the stars up there? Not to mention a once in a lifetime like the Aurora Borealis. Yeah. I mean, so he has all of these new experiences to put the rest of his life into perspective with. I don't know. Every time I travel, I always feel like wherever I go, there are very few places where I haven't been like thinking about what it would be like to live there and, 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 you know, do these things. And and I'm really susceptible to that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Oh, (laughs) um, so, yeah, um, I guess we should mention the subplot. We haven't talked about the Selkie girl at all. Okay, talk about the Selkie girl. <laughs> She's not really a Selkie. But, Nor is uh, she Selkie. No. She's a little Selkie. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when we first uh, arrive in Scotland, before they even go to the small town, they go to some sort of indoor research laboratory where mm-hmm. they have like a mock-up of the shoreline with the distillery. Uh, of the entire bay. Yeah, and not distillery. What is it? Refinery. Refinery, yeah. It's, although they do have distilleries in Scotland as well. This is another movie and another story. <laughs> um, and and there they meet, and it's not, I guess she's another scientist, but um, she immediately 
um, she she jumps in the water and retrieves something they need for their experiment. Marina. Marina. Her name yeah. is Marina. And uh, Peter Capaldi is smitten instantly. Although all the men, none of the men in that scene seem like they've ever seen a woman before and did nothing but stare at her the entire time. So and might and make slightly <laughs> off color um, yeah. jokes and yeah. Uh, comments. Yeah, yeah, about assets and uh, great pair of she's lungs. She's better and, in the field. I think yeah. was the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, other than these, men... I think Peter Capaldi would agree with that because they, that's yeah. well. Yeah. And one of these people was ostensibly her boss, and he was staring at her like that. But whatever. Anyway, <laughs> this is the 1980s. <laughs> yes, it was the early 80s. So, um, but uh, Peter Capaldi and Marina have kind of a sweet love story where she sort of just appears out of nowhere all the time while he's yeah. walking alone on the she's beach. She's an oceanographer, yeah, and she's studying the the all the stuff that they said this is yeah. a special bay where that gets the, whatever the yeah. stuff sweeping in from the whatever you know all, she, all the shells and the yeah. life, and she's studying the how it affects the whole area. And what she wants is a big laboratory that... An oceanography uh, institute to, kind of That studies thing. the coastline and, and the bays and, and all of that. And that's what she wants to happen. And, and that's what she thinks is going to happen. Yeah. She, she, she does say that, yeah. She doesn't know... And they keep that that the that it's a refinery project that's about well, to Well, and up. I mean, like, they kind of suggest sort of that she knows, like, she's, like, psychic or has some sort of prior knowledge kind of... I don't know. There's something... They make her seem a little otherworldly. You know, how she just appears out of the water. She has webbed toes. She has webbed toes. Yeah. Um, you know, she she talks... She shows him the seals and how rare the seals are and something. She's like. his mystery girl. Yeah, yeah, his mystery he girl. He has to have his own little story yeah. <laughs> going on. Because he's also having an experience. Yeah. He's Well, and he feels guilty that he knows that they're, they're building a refinery... And she wants... This. Is this a movie about business people growing consciences in some way? I guess so, Or yeah. learning to see, like, the learning, getting to know the people who their actions affect? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that's going on. Yeah. So I have a weird, interesting factoid yes. for you that I saw today when I was reading <laughs> about the movie. Did you know that they actually named um, an asteroid after Happer? In oh, real really? life, they named the asteroid 7345 Happer after Lan- Burt Lancaster's character in the oh, movie okay. who's obsessed with finding a comet to name after himself. <laughs> well, our astronomers, I guess, like astronomy when yeah. it shows up in the movies, and they gave him the uh, privilege and the honor of naming uh, an asteroid in real life after um, the character in this movie. Yeah. Happer, Mr. Happer. So Mr. Happer, after his initial odd appearance, appears later, or at the end of the movie, actually... Yeah, they call him about. Oh, I love how you thought it was the comet that they were seeing in the sky when all when the entire yeah. village comes out to the beach at yeah. dusk with the glow coming yeah. across, and it's the arrival of the helicopter. Yeah. That's a wonderful <laughs> moment. So yeah, Deus he, Ex Machina kind of thing. After, after I guess it's I can't remember what triggers him to actually come. Was there was it the meteor shower or something? convinces Happer that he needs to come out. To it's the meteor shower and the aurora borealis, mm-hmm. and then he basically can't. And and that um, old Ben said to watch a different um, constellation Oh, area. Leo. He yeah. wanted him to watch Leo. And then that's, he's like, there's a lot going on in the sky. Yeah. So he comes. So he came via helicopter. And yeah. he, as you said, um, you think it's the comet that's coming, but it's actually Mr. Happer's, and he lands on the beach. And he comes and he talks to Ben, and they hang out. I should say that the reason that 
they were everybody was on board with the deal as they had made it, but old Ben was holding it up because he actually owned a large mm-hmm. a large quantity of the land and nobody realized that he owned this land he and owned he, the beach. Yeah, and he, he owned was, four miles he was of the beach. Pretty much not interested in selling or yeah. moving or anything like that. He didn't want to do that. So, you know, essentially Ben was responsible for... It's the same for, thing that happens when somebody yeah. <laughs> wants to raise like a block to yeah. make a giant apartment building and there's the one person in the house that won't move. Yeah. So, um, but uh, Mr. Happer comes and him and Ben become good friends and they're walking around talking about the land and he's talking about how wonderful the skies are and how beautiful the ocean is and... Um, how great the coast is and everything like that. And somehow he convinces Happer that instead of building a refinery, instead they should invest in this place that will observe and preserve. So, so the, I call her the sulky woman. <laughs> Marina. 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 Uh, Marina. Um, I can't do it in Peter Capaldi. She was right. She was right. They actually ended up with, with a, you know, an ocean institute instead of a, Okay, I have one weird thing mm. that we didn't talk about. Mm. Um, what do you make of the um, this like weird comic sub subplot C with the um, abusive psychiatrist uh, therapist oh. th- that Mister Happer has in Houston? Yeah, apparently that was he weird. he pays uh, someone to kind of insult him and abuse him and like make him angry. Yeah, what is that about? I don't I'm know. Not sure was that, that a tactic in the 80s for I've therapists? never heard of that. No, I mean, uh, the only thing I've ever seen it in was this movie. And I think it's kind of funny, but it's also kind of a different sense of humor than the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's It's more it's slapstick. Really weird. It's, I mean, it gets pretty outrageous where the guy's like hanging outside the building, like writing on the windows. Yeah, writing curse words on the... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I don't understand it's why... Not a, I don't think this is a valid form of therapy. I just want to point yeah. this out. So be careful. <laughs> For the therapists that are yes. acting I mean, that I'm, way. I'm looking for a new therapist, but I'm not going to go for that type. <laughs> well, I just, I, I don't understand why a guy that's like so obsessed with the sky and like running a family business, essentially, why he feels like he needs that sort of therapy where they're insulting him and telling him he's awful and... um I don't well, know. He's just he suffering from an excess it. of e- yeah, an excess of ego or something. I, I don't maybe know. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> Some, <laughs> something to cut you down to your size, or you know, I don't, I don't know. Well, and, and so the guy, I don't know who the person who played the psychologist, the but actor. they had a very um, Doctor Phil slash um, Jeffrey Tambor kind of look to him. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't. I I don't know, but um, yeah, I forgot about that subplot entirely. Oh, our dog is drinking water right now. It's very loud. I don't know if you can hear it. Um, so we're almost at time. So I uh, just want to ask if you have any other thoughts about the movie. Any final last thoughts? I was really surprised by how it all turned out. Because, again, I thought it was going to be one of those like formulaic 80s kind of movies. And it turned out being very different. Um, it actually kind of reminded me there's a movie called... Um, Baby Boom. I don't know if you've seen it about a woman whose sister dies and then she is that the Diane Keaton movie. Yeah, she has to take her sister's baby, and so she has to, you know, quit her job because you can't have a baby and a job in the eighties. But anyway, it's like a quiet kind of, you know, heartwarming, nice, you know, 
but it, damn it, I want more movies like yeah, this. where you focus more on on people and connecting, and you learn that there's more to life than than Porsches. I guess I have a yearning for more quiet movies like this, you know, and I think there were more of them back then, yeah. but now everything's fast and loud. So, <laughs> so. I, I was trying to. These are the kind of movies that my dad would like. Yeah. Like, he would go to the video yeah. store and come back with, like, every, you know, movie set in a small town in Britain or Scotland. I mean, like, that's just it's what he liked to watch. He liked. Um, and I was trying to think He's of examples. He's probably seen this movie. You know, I mean, like, Full Monty is a big one, but there was a smaller one that came out maybe about, a, I don't know. There were... The Full Monty was like the big famous one that came out, but there were a lot of movies like this that are kind of set in small towns in Great Britain somewhere, and my dad mm-hmm. just loved them. And and I've I've seen a educating bunch of them. Rita, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've seen that. That's one another good one. Yeah, <laughs> that's another one from right around this time. That it was another one that my mom and I used to watch. Well, and it it's it's world it's interesting because it's world cinema, but it's not like world cinema in the capital letters. It's in our sense. own language. We you understand. Know, them. It's just like it's like movies that that you know people would watch in in Great Britain on a Sunday afternoon or something like that. You know, it's 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 local cinema, local hero. Yeah. 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 So anyway, it's it's neat to see that sort of culture. It's quiet. It's yeah. about community. It's about the quirkiness. It's about spending time with these people. And I just always really yeah. have liked that kind of a movie. It was great. So it's different than things we've looked at so far on the show. But yeah. I, I hope some of you out there have seen this movie. And if you haven't, I hope you're interested to try and find it. It actually is really easily easy to find on all the um, streaming services. I think we got it on Amazon. You can get it on iTunes and in all the other ones, pay-per-view sort of video on demand. Um, great. I'm glad it sounds like you liked it. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, you can um, please subscribe to the show. If you like what you're hearing, um, you can drop us a line, send us some feedback at shutupwatchthis at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook. And one last like little appeal from our hearts is if you like what you're hearing, if you could go onto iTunes and leave us a review or a star rating or something like that, the way it all works is that will help um, boost us in the algorithms and allow other people to find the show too. So, um, and do you know us. what we're doing next week? Uh, yes, I'm planning on Coal Miner's Daughter, which I've you never have seen not it. seen. Um, it's Although it was another favorite of my mom's from around yeah. this time, so there might be bits I, I recognize from the background. I think that this is the movie that started uh, musical biographies. Anyway, uh, so that's the plan for next week. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, and we will see you again, not next week, but in two weeks' time. Two weeks. Um, thanks again. Bye. 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 <laughs>